right, welcome to Open Disclosure today. Today we have on our podcast some veteran discussions along with mental health, along with my friend here, uh, an Afghan veteran from the Canadian Armed Forces, Master Corporal Retired Daniel Yun. And we're just going to go over and talk about some of his experiences and uh, what he recommends for other members in the Canadian Forces today. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank How are you feeling today? Thank you very much, Gio, for having me. And uh, I'm feeling great today. Thanks for having me again. Uh, so to start things off, how many years did you serve in the Canadian Armed Forces? And uh, what did you do during that time? Like, what was your job or trade? Or uh, Let me see here. I served a total of 14 years of combined service with reserve and regular force time. First trade, I enrolled as a armored reconnaissance crewman in 2005 to late 2009. And I was all the way from the rank of a recruit trooper all the way to Master Corporal. Correction, actually. Not 2009, 2014. <laughs> 2014 onward to current uh, January 22nd, I served uh, in the Royal Canadian Air Force as a air weapon systems tech mm-hmm. uh, in the regular force for yeah, almost four years and a bit there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was based out of Borden and CP Cole Lake at One Air Maintenance Squadron as an armor. And uh, what were your jobs? What did you actually do in them? Uh, the first trade as armor reconnaissance crewman, we did a lot of uh, reconnaissance uh, that were mounted and dismounted. Uh, pretty much we did a eyes-on objective um, with the reserve unit based out of in 32 Brigade here in the local GTA um, I did a lot of courses. I was instructing from basic to SQ course and DP one. I helped out a couple of times, a staff member and PLQ at Taz instructor, CAP Petawawa. I also deployed to Afghanistan in 2010 to 2011 with the first uh, battalion, Royal 22nd regiment, uh, Van Duse is what they call them based out of CAP, uh, Valcartier, Quebec. And for the air weapons trade, I was out of yeah, CAP Cold Lake, and I was an armor and maintenance squadron, and I was dealing with uh, disassembling weapon system weapon systems um, parts, and then maintaining them, cleaning them, and testing them for troubleshooting mm-hmm. and making sure they were serviceable to be used on the uh, CF eighteen Hornet. There, cool. Definitely sounds like that could have been interesting. Um, what would you say, uh, or would you say that your military experience was worthwhile overall? Like just everything that you went through and everything you did? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, yeah, like my military career experience overall from day one till, uh, just recently now four months I released out of the forces on January 22nd was a great experience overall. Overall, I, I learned a lot. I got to see the world and travel all parts of Canada, the U.S., Europe, Asia. Just came back from France last summer as my last um, temporary duty, you know, mm-hmm. paid by the, uh, the Canadian Force to represent the RCAF for Western Canada region. Mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, got to meet a lot of nice people and good friends overall as the brotherhood and the camaraderie and, um, you know, the leadership. And just overall, it was this amazing time. And I'll never forget it, but I will miss it. And um, I'm having a great time where I am today right now. Mm-hmm. 
Is uh, we didn't uh, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but is there anything uh, that you would bring over from the military side, like to civilian experience, like in a civilian workforce? Uh, yeah. Anything different that I would bring over to uh, Civi World from the military side that I learned were the discipline, the leadership, and you know the punctuality, and the organizational skills that the military mm-hmm. teaches you that. Um, can be applied to other jobs in this world and even to your own personal life. Yeah, uh, That is such a high key point that I truly live with today and has helped me to be uh, where I am and to get to where I am today. And if it wasn't for the military, I would probably be learning it very hard. But <laughs> honestly, it has taught me to be a better person and has gotten me to where I am. And, and I've also matured a lot within the 14 years of my career. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that I would bring over and share that with uh, Civi World. Thank you. Cool. Well, it sounds like you definitely had a lot of good out of that. And there's definitely some stuff you could bring over to like civilian life after leaving and all that fun stuff. Um, so what would you, if you were given the option to do anything differently uh, in your military career, would you have done it? Would you have done something and why? Um, a lot of things that I would have changed if I had a chance to uh, start all over or if there was you know a different time I could re-enroll again I would probably um, uh, enroll as a commission officer in the Canadian Armed Forces uh, and progress in the officer trade world potentially in the role of um, flight engineer in mm-hmm. the aviation side or spec ops community and what is a spec ops community? Spec ops community is uh, short form for special forces. Mm-hmm. So you'll have uh, soldiers that are doing things that are not normal on a daily basis. They will be serving our country, protecting from such as terrorists or doing counter terrorist um, activities and mm-hmm. doing a job on behalf of the government of Canada to protect us from the bad guys. <laughs> But that's the part of the role that I would probably get more into mm-hmm. if I had a chance to start all over again. Why does that interest you? Part of it is um, it would always interest me since I was in the trade. But due to you know physical and medical issues, I was not able to advance in those areas. Uh, one of the key things is uh, swimming. I was uh, fear of water, so I would never be <laughs> able to make it uh, even close enough into those areas. Because I have fear of water and I can't try. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. If it seriously wasn't for that and other areas and I was, you know, really physically active up there, I probably would have had a shot at it in my in, in an afterlife in a different, <laughs> in, you know, in a new world. Yeah. I could start all over. So, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Now, of course, like you said, you had some good experiences, but was there ever a time that you had uh, d- <laughs> doubted why or what you were doing in the military? Um, there does... Definitely, you know, a time where you, you doubt or I doubt times um, serving almost 14 years. Um, a lot of the time is, you know, you, you believe and leave the trust in your chain of command. Uh, what is a chain of command to people that don't know, understand what that means as well? It's your superiors, your supervisors, the management level is what we call it, the chain of command, yeah. the chain ladder. So, yeah, there are times where I definitely doubted. Uh, my chain of command and a good example anytime in my last career my last posting at a cfp cold lake uh, there were a little ups and downs 
with my uh, career progression on moving out of there and pursuing other uh, avenues. And there are a lot of, you know, not saying there was dead ends, but there were. <laughs> and I, I doubted the system and the chain of command. So, you know, I had to approach other avenues and I reached out to other services, mm-hmm. which has helped me and rectify the issue and to persevere and move on from that area. <laughs> so, yeah. And those services, things like mental health or like family stuff, like what were the services? In so the services uh, were definitely mental health clinic, the Canadian Armed Forces uh, health services system, uh, which mm-hmm. has mental health, uh, whether social worker, psychiatrist, psychologist, or speaking to a padre, which is a, a form of a religious minister in uniform, who can also act as a counselor, which I used a lot of services through them to get my questions answered through the higher echelon area of the chain of command and the superiors. So it has helped me in those situations. Oh, well, that's pretty good then. Um, it's good to know you were able to actually get through those times and it didn't, didn't keep you hindered for too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you had a piece of advice that you're going to give to military personnel that were deploying in the near future, uh, what would you tell them in terms of mental, physical preparedness with your families, things like that? Uh, first and foremost, I would, the uh, advice I would give to military personnel today, should they deploy, uh, Always pay attention to your um, training. Training was was a big uh, importance of deploying, and obviously safety too. Um, physically, uh, be active in your PT and your physical training. Uh, mental, mental part was a big thing which we did not understand, and I didn't actually understand it either. But mm-hmm. mentally, you want to prepare yourself that you are going uh, to places harms away that are not in any condition like the western uh, countries like us here in Canada or the US so prepare for the worst hope for the best (laughs) hope for the best yes but I would say um, just understand that the services are out there for the members Um, even on deployment you'll have access to a padre uh, a unit chaplain uh, social worker mental health you know, even talking to your own buddies to your left and right, your fire team partners. For civvy members that won't understand what fire team partners are, battle buddies are, is, is someone that you work with, your coworker, And that's the person that you will be, your bunkmate especially. You spend um, a lot of time with them s- together. Yeah. You spend a lot of time together. You eat with them. You, you, you go to work with them every day. You spend 24-7 pretty much with them. And uh, that's also a good advice right there. But mentally, I would just say, you know, uh, make sure that you have the full support of your loved ones, your family, friends, spouse, partner, etc. And uh, pay attention to your training. As a former Afghan war veteran, I really paid attention to my training. It has helped me to get out of situations when I was deployed. So, yeah. And would you say there's anything specific that members should say to their family to help them, like, maybe ease the stress or... You know, help them prepare for the fact that you're not going to be around all the time and you might be dealing with dangerous situations? Uh, to answer that question, I would say to the families that I would be giving advice. <laughs> um, from what I know, just to clarify that the loved ones, that there is access to mental health, first and foremost, through 
uh, MFRC, which is known as the Military Family Resource Center. Um, just pretty much understand that you want to support your loved ones no matter what type of condition that they're going into when they deploy to mm-hmm. ease off their mental stress. Along with yours, that it is going to be hard, but understand that there are services and gateways to channels of communication while the members deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will that would ease off the mental stress on both ends, mm-hmm. for one thing. But um, also the body language, physical and mental uh, body languages will also identify stress when a uh, member is on deployment in transition communication from back home to over there and these are little signs that i would give to family members to not only watch out for but to understand that this is how one can identify to help a loved one in the event Mm -hmm. they are really stressed and there are like support networks and stuff like other friends and family normally that can help people i suppose in those situations right yeah there's a lot of um places out there um in the canadian armed forces community other than the mfrc but you know they also have services to the um, veterans affairs canada programs out there the osis program out there for operational stress injury uh, veterans family transition networks out there Uh, these are all forms of services that the families can also engage and um these um, organizations, uh, from to the best of my knowledge, have reached out to my loved ones when right. I deployed to make sure that my family was at ease during my deployment mm-hmm. and made sure that if any services were needed in the event to ease off the stress on both sides, they have offered. And even your um, the members' um, regiment, squadron, or unit in general, mm-hmm. uh, they would have all these things organized for the members uh that are deploying to ease off the mental stress on both ends Mm -hmm. it's like helping with housework and stuff like that anything from household chores cutting the grass making sure uh shoveling the driveway depending on the deployment of the season but any types of stuff like this to ease off the you know the pain health uh Mm -hmm. stress mental stress on both ends these are things that the military community is there to support families too in the event that their loved ones have to deploy in harm's way okay that's pretty some pretty good stuff at least there's a lot of support systems in place that can at least give them a little bit of a hand although it probably doesn't make up for everything but it does help i'm sure and for those families when there's something going on do you have any suggestions for the family themselves when they're having to go through a family member deploying or anything along those lines what to watch out for in their loved one or to help them with that kind of stuff it, it is hard for someone like me to, to comment on that part because i was away pretty much <laughs> yeah. all the time uh, mind of fact i was single so the only person i kept in touch with was my mother <laughs> and my father at the time but to watch out or to keep things busy uh so that families uh don't have to feel um stressed in those type of situations where a make sure that maybe that your loved one is communicating with you in some sort of fashion on a daily basis and if they don't that's where families might panic but don't worry when that happens because you can reach out to the nearest 
of your son or daughter or loved one's uh, unit and you can actually reach out to them and see if their unit chain of command can get faster communication. Mm -hmm. That would be one example. But for overall, I can comment for the families to just, you know, continue to also write, uh, whether it's through email or letters, you know, mm -hmm. old fashioned <laughs> and uh, care packages. Care yeah. packages were a great form of yeah. boosting morale when uh, loved ones and friends were selling or not selling, sorry. <laughs> um, I hope they weren't selling <laughs> stuff, but they were sending uh, you know, stuff from back home to boost the morale. So chocolate, beef jerky, you know, sodas. Things that you might not be able to get on the Things that you do not get yeah. in the Middle East when I was in <laughs> Afghanistan, you know. I kid you not, I asked for a six-pack of, you know, maybe 591 milliliter bottles of Canada Dry and water uh, and toilet paper and hand sanitizer as a care package from my family. Mm -hmm. Or loved ones. I didn't really want candy or chips. I didn't really care about that too much. It's the essential stuff that you need on a daily basis to live out there mm -hmm. that we did not have. So Stuff you're accustomed to at home but might exactly. not have access to out there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> camping style, but you still need to do your basic evolutions out there. Yeah. Uh, to city people out there that don't understand what evolutions are, it's uh, doing your daily hygiene. So yeah. brushing your teeth, shaving, you know, made out of shower so you have non-scented baby wipes that you can use yeah so but the care package overall whatever the families and friends sent that was a big um you know morale boost for both ends because the families were busy yeah preparing all the stuff so it gets them happy that they're sending it mm -hmm. and then the receiving end of the loved ones and on deployment mm -hmm. so that kept a lot of families busy from what I know, at least for mine too and yeah. my other loved ones too. So yeah. And it does help like relieve stress on both ends. Definitely relieve stress on both ends because now there's a list that mm -hmm. you need to go shopping <laughs> and then yeah. they need to buy it, then they need to package it. But a lot of it was through non-public funding and raising money. So overall it was for a good cause yeah. and it, it worked out on both ends. Well, that's good. And, uh, of course, having all these experiences and being in the military, it's very trying for many people. Um, have you ever experienced any kind of mental strain during your service? And why do you think that it, uh, that it happened or didn't happen in any case? <laughs> yeah. So being in the military, I'm not going to lie. Um, I have experienced the mental strain during my whole 14 years of service. Um, it started... Probably the highlight, the biggest mental strain I had was uh, before Afghanistan, in transition to Afghanistan, and then the post coming back. And that's when I was approached from my chain of command health services on the aftermath of dealing uh, with the um, operational stress injury. Hmm. And, you know, excuse me. Having said that, the operational stress injury for the time that I've experienced, you know, the mental health part, I was approached and I, I seeked help. Uh, it's, it's actually taken a long time, uh, about seven years now with on and off treatment and um, it wasn't easy. Um, anything that happened, not only even on deployment, but within the career aspect, uh, you know, you have a lot of deadlines to meet with any of your um, 
higher echelon members that you're dealing with, um, whether it's, you know, physical or physical paper trail that you got to deal with. So overall, it's been pretty hard, but to deal with it in the beginning, it was a lot of denial. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now. Um, I can't say it never happened because that would be a lie, <laughs> but it did happen. Yeah. So um, I did the right thing and took the advice of all my fellow senior superiors and seeked help, got treated, which is no different from anybody being sick physically with a cold or a virus. Mm-hmm. You go to the doctor, get checked out receive your meds get the bed rest and then you get better and then you persevere Mm -hmm. so for that part i will say that i've experienced it and i dealt with it accordingly oh that's good getting uh getting away from that whole stigma of mental health being some like scary thing that people don't want to deal with right it's just uh just like anything else that you have to deal with physical issues it's a we we live in a society today as i really i want to say this but Mental health is not looked at the same as a physical health condition. Mm-hmm. It is not. But it should be because it is nothing new in the human body. Mm-hmm. People look at it as a weakness. The military, I will say this, in the old school tradition, mental health was not looked at the same as an injury. It was looked at as you were sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. But it's actually hypocritical because any organization doesn't want to have their employee to be weak. You want them to get better. So Mm -hmm. then you can be active and then you can make production out of it and you can be profitable or not profit based on the organization. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big advocate for mental health. I see that mental health should be looked at somewhat mirror image to a physical health condition. As a matter of fact, it probably is connected to a physical condition because it's happening in the human body. Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor or mental health (laughs) provider, but I can tell you right now as a, as a member that suffers and has been through the process, I can tell you that it's not easy, but mm-hmm. life too is very stressful dealing with uh, for doing something like that a line over 14 years. So mm-hmm. uh, anybody that has that, I would highly maintain that you seek treatment and help. Don't live in denial mm-hmm. and get out there because you don't need to be in the military to have mental health experience or mental health strain. You can see a car accident. You could grow up and have not a good childhood life or any type of family lifestyle and that could that could have triggered the member have an impact right? you could have a big impact mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be the military but coming from a background of the armed forces in my situation i have experienced it and i seek treatment mm-hmm. and continued in the right path mm-hmm. all right makes sense so on the topic of treatment then what do you think is uh what do you think is important to maintain good mental health while in the military and what do you think members should do to make sure that they're they're keeping themselves on track and they're not slipping and sliding into a scary place <clears throat> well you know the key to to maintain a good mental health while serving in the Canadian Armed Forces is you know some of the simple things that I've been taught from mm-hmm. other um, medical practitioners in that aspect you know get a good night's sleep mm-hmm. a good night's sleep can always go a long way with your health and your mental health yeah uh, physically being physically active pt is what we promote in the canadian armed force to be physically fit physically fit part of your job of any trade or you know military occupational specific along with your sleep and the food you eat 
<laughs> hopefully the you know the Canada Food Guide there. I don't know off the top of my head, but if you <laughs> follow that, you might have a very good you know appetite and maintaining a good mental health in your daily lifestyle. <laughs> but if someone doesn't follow those guidelines and slips off to the side, that's when things can be a little dangerous or cautious. And that's where you need to probably, you know, get mm-hmm. back on the left side of the road <laughs> and go straight instead of going off to the right mm-hmm. and um, seek the right help, you know, or, or talk to someone. Yeah. You know, there's counselors out there. There's um, the OSI clinic, Operational Stress Injury Clinic, or you can go talk to your own healthcare providers you know your social worker psychiatrist or psychologist members out there Mm -hmm. too fair enough makes sense and basically the whole that all boils down to just making sure you go get the help when you when you need it right not just letting it letting it keep slip right i've always advocated (coughs) for members of the canadian air forces even my coworkers, Mm -hmm. uh, that once i see something wrong or that i'm even dealing with it Mm -hmm. i've always been a big advocate telling Mm -hmm. people go and seek the help Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost you a any money, you know. It's there. It's there for a reason. Take advantage of it. Take yeah. advantage of it. Don't feel afraid of people's, you know, to your left and right and behind you. Mm-hmm. No one needs to know except for you. It's your help at the end of the day. So you need to help yourself before you can help others. Yeah. Makes sense. So that being said, have you ever witnessed anybody that has also experienced some mental health problems and? What are the warning signs that somebody could be experiencing a difficult time that maybe, and like, how do you approach somebody like that if they, if you think there could be something bothering them? <clears throat> uh, I have witnessed quite a few of my own friends and comrades that I served with that are experiencing mental health problems. Mm-hmm. A lot of them the early warning signs could have been could be drinking alcohol was one of the problems Mm -hmm. right Uh, drugs could be one of the problems Mm -hmm. Um, drugs not in the sense of narcotics it could be prescribed medication too yeah right Um, and that's where you start seeing changes in the members health Mm. yeah physical in their eyes their body language different uh attitudes at work too i assume the attitude the way how they speak to you, everything about them is a different person. Mm -hmm. How do you approach those individuals? Well, you need to be careful first and foremost, number one. Uh, And those are the warning signs that if you notice them, you might want to talk to, not the member right away. (laughs) That's that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, But you can always talk to someone uh, that you trust, uh, like a former, not a former question, but your supervisor. Yeah. And just give them the heads up that someone Something that you work be. with mm-hmm. uh, is looking a little down today, mm-hmm. you know, and that we are working with machinery or explosives. Yeah. And maybe that we need to keep a little bit more eye on the member, you know, and that's not to belittle them or anything. You're just making sure that they're the, safe, that they're safe because yeah. safety is important. The line of work that we were doing with explosives and missiles, chaff and flare, you want to be careful. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in the right mental health um, I was told in my training that if you're sick, uh, whether it's physical or mental, approach the chain of command and let them know mm-hmm. safety's first. No one will look down on people because you told them that you were sick. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we don't want anyone to get hurt. 
we want the job to be successful. Mm -hmm. So I have witnessed and I've seen that type of signs. Have I approached? Yes. Certain occasions I have approached mm -hmm. certain members and I have wheeled them in the direction to seek help. Mm -hmm. And those members were successful. Yeah. I and suppose it helps some, if you have a personal relationship. It's that's also to get based in. on the yeah. personal relationship with those members. If I do not know the member and you're going through that problem, that could be mm -hmm. very challenging and very dangerous. So mm -hmm. that's when you might have to seek other channels because I myself am not a medical a professional, professional yeah. of some mm -hmm. sort. But I have the experience of going through the mental health process. So I know that, A, it's not easy, that, you know, not everyone's alone in this world. But mm -hmm. I've been there and I'm a huge advocate that people should help mental health uh, patients accordingly and hope one day it'll be looked at mm -hmm. seriously than yeah. a physical illness too. Makes sense. Definitely is something worth keeping an eye on, making sure people don't uh, let, it, <laughs> let it go for too long. So what would you recommend people do for those that they think may be expressing that, uh, experiencing a mental health dilemma? Like, I guess we kind of touched on it already, but... Uh, is there anything specific that you've found helps? Maybe something that you've experienced yourself or it might not be like a direct interaction with the person, but something to help them, you know, move towards asking for help or anything along those lines. Well, the first step to mental health that I found <laughs> out was acceptance, mm -hmm. accepting the fact that there's something wrong with you or the member. Yeah. That was the key. Number mm -hmm. one. Number two was pushing forward with that and getting the help mm -hmm. and seeking the help. And number three is opening up opening up about what the issues are and the concerns of your mental health. And then the next part to that is how do you overcome and mm -hmm. work on those barriers in life to better yourself so that you can be successful and move on with your life. Mm -hmm. Those are the those are the probably about five five or six points that I just mentioned that mm -hmm. I believe was very um, hard in the beginning, but that's what I recommend is that once you get seek help, I would recommend that you talk to your mental health clinicians and tell them what it is that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to be fearful, you know, and the, and the trust, right? You, you got to build trust before you speak out with anybody. So it's going to be hard, but I do challenge people that if you don't speak out, and you just bottle it, you bottle it, and it's actually not healthy for you. So mm -hmm. you need to get uh, the proper help and, and talk about it, you know. And if you just bottle it up, it's just going to explode one day, and that doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't can, really help. It doesn't yeah. help with any uh, condition, whether, you know, if you're sick, you're not going to just keep it to yourself. You're going to go see a doctor and get help if you have a cold. Yeah. No different. That's the way I look <laughs> at it, too. So. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so now that you've finished your time in the military, what do you, what do you plan on doing with, uh, with the future, future time, spare time and <laughs> all well, that? Well, since I've been out <laughs> January 22nd, 2019 with 14 years of service, I wasn't really had any free time since I, recently last year, November 2nd, 2018, our first child was born now seven months mm -hmm. uh, today. So we've been very busy as a new father and mother. And also dealing with the post-release from the military. So it wasn't really free time. I was still dealing with the uh, aftermath, getting the paperwork all filled out for all the benefits through Veterans Affairs Canada, pensions, uh, vocational rehab, which means going to school, mm -hmm. you know, starting to get trained back 
so that I can start getting a future uh, job in the civvy world, obviously, because I'm not in the military anymore, so I need to find other avenues. <laughs> what does the future hold? I look at pursuing um, some sort of federal government job and with the experience that I have from my 14 years of my career and from my deployment to pursue uh, some sort of officer type position mm -hmm. uh, in the federal government, whether it's in Canada or in the U.S. or with my Air Force background, I plan on uh, applying into uh, the positions with Boeing or Lockheed Martin down the road mm -hmm. and see if I can work in their companies uh, maintaining the uh, the F-18 fleet or the uh, the weapon systems for the U.S. defense or on the Canadian side of the border. Mm -hmm. So that's what my future is looking right now. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm enjoying yeah. my time off as a, uh, as a retired, well, they say I'm retired, so it's kind of weird. <laughs> but yes, as a retired 14-year uh, veteran, I, I'm enjoying the time off and celebrating uh, my time as a civilian mm -hmm. and just uh, keeping it busy, but uh, always waking up early and, you know, making my bed. And uh, you want to do that because... Back to basics. Back to the basics. You want to have the basics to uh, even pursue uh, civvy world because those principles in life that the military has taught me has helped me to get to where I am today and helped me to who I am, be I am, I think. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. So, it's close enough. Yeah, close enough. But at the end of the day, it has... Uh, made me a better person and i thank the military for that and you know i wish all my uh, brothers and sisters in arms that are still serving out there uh be safe and have a good time and uh, you guys are the future leaders of this country and warriors so keep mm -hmm. up the good work and uh mm -hmm. thank you for your service too boys and girls <laughs> stay in school <laughs> awesome it was good it's uh good to talk to you and you got a lot going on in the future it looks like Still got some time left in you. <laughs> and right. uh, It was nice talking to you. It was good to get a feel from mental health in the military and the Canadian Forces and just your personal experience as well. And uh, it was really, really good to be able to interview you. Yeah, thanks again, Gio. It was yeah. my pleasure and my honor. And thanks again. Yeah, no problem. You have a good one. You too. Thanks. And that's all we have for Open Disclosure today. I hope you all enjoyed our conversation with uh, Master Corporal Retired Daniel Yun. If you liked our talk, then I recommend you subscribe to our podcast and uh, visit us at our new website at opendisclosure.silveresmedia.com and uh, stay tuned for further talks uh, coming up in the future. And um, we also have on our link to our podcast some information on mental health resources that might help in Canada and uh, our contact information as well. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to give us a shout. And we'll see you next time on Open Disclosure.